0: love that you. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The National Hurricane Center says Tropical Storm Elsa made landfall along North Florida's Gulf Coast. Florida Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez.
1: Tropical Storm Elsa is currently making landfall in the coastal area, the Big Bend area, uh, coastal area of Taylor County. We are obviously continuing to monitor how this storm will track throughout uh, across Northeast Florida and uh, probably scheduled to head into the Carolinas later through thursday
0: meanwhile in surfside florida the search for victims of the collapse of a high-rise condominium has reached its 14th day with the death toll at 46. miami-dade county fire chief alan kaminsky says the prospects of finding anyone alive in the rubble are not good
2: we've been exhausted in every effort and you know that's where we are right now is is exhausting every effort and, uh, and
0: we'll go from there 94 people are still unaccounted for also at srnews.com gunman assassinated haitian president Hovenel Moïse and his wife was wounded at their home earlier today. Bernie Bennett has more. Claude Joseph, the interim prime minister, confirmed the killing and said the police and military
3: win control of security in Haiti, where a history of dictatorship and political upheaval have long stymied the consolidation of democratic rule. Moïse had been ruling by decree for more than a year after the country failed to hold elections, and the opposition demanded he step down in recent months, saying he was leading Haiti toward yet another grim period of authoritarianism. Joseph gave no details on how the attack
0: unfolded, who carried it out or why, or whether anyone was arrested. I'm Bernie Bennett. a time Wimbledon champion Roger Federer has been beaten in straight sets by 14th-seeded Hubert Herkaz in the quarterfinals at the All-England Club today. On Wall Street, stocks are mixed now. The Dow is ahead 75 points, but the Nasdaq is down a fraction. This is SRN News.
3: For your Wednesday afternoon,
2: due to Elsa, there's a tornado watch and a flood watch in effect. Cloudy and windy this afternoon, high 81. Tonight, more rain, possible thunderstorms, low 73. Thursday, mostly cloudy with a chance of storms, high 89. Thursday night, mostly cloudy with a low 73. And Friday, partly sunny with a chance of more showers, high 89.
1: everyone, Dr. Angela here. Don't forget to catch Daily Spark with Dr. Angela right here on The Truth Radio, weekdays at 2 p.m. It's where we enlighten, inspire, and empower you to be your best self. That's Daily Spark with Dr. Angela, weekdays at 2 p.m. right here on The Truth Radio. See you there.
4: Thanks for listening to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary on the Truth. While Doug is away enjoying some time with his family, we're going to let you hear some of your favorite SWAT Radio programs from the past. So stay tuned for this encore presentation of SWAT Radio. Mission sequence time: six, five, four, three, two,
2: one, zero. All engines running. Commit. Lift off. Well, good afternoon. This is Doug McCary, and no, it is not Brad Sykes. Brad is not in the studio today, so I'll be soloing it here with Chris, but glad you could join us at SWAT Radio. I am so excited about our guest today. Uh, We have a great guy coming on, uh, General Charlie Duke, and you're going to really, really, I think, be encouraged by listening to Charlie. And uh, General Duke, he will uh, share his story. He's one of the 12 astronauts who walked on the moon. And I have to tell you, every time I hear a comedian named Brian Regan do a little bit he does called I walked on the moon. In fact, he's got a whole album I think called I Walked on the Moon and the whole gist of that little bit is about me monsters. And our pastor at our church played this one time at during church because he was talking about people and with pride and 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 I'll just tell you Charlie's one of the most humble men I've ever met. I've known him almost 20 years. And uh, I speak at a thing out in Colorado where he's at, and he's spoken there, and we, we, we see each other every few years, and he's just a great guy. We, uh, I, I couldn't think of a better guy to come on and talk about uh, how, as men, we should love our wives and love God. And so he's a great guy, but I want to get back to this Brian Regan thing. Brian Regan, he's telling this bit about how people always one-up you at dinner parties and, and he says he has a social fantasy about being one of the 12 guys that walked on the moon, which is Charlie Duke is one of the 12 guys. Charlie was the youngest guy ever to walk on the moon. And uh, he was one of the few last. I mean, he did it the same year the last guy walked on the moon back in the 72. So uh, we're going to have Charlie on in a few minutes. But first, I want you to hear this uh, me monster bit by Brian Regan talking about I walked on the moon.
5: What is it about the human condition people get something out of that? That's why I have a social fantasy. I wish I was one of the 12 astronauts who have been on our moon. They must love knowing they can be anybody's story. Whenever they want. They can sit back quietly at a dinner party while some other person, some me monster is doing his thing and let him go. Let him run with the line while you be quiet. Oh, really? (laughs) 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 Let <laughs> <laughs> him have his moment Yeah, I'm a big traveler I have my business all i got my own global enterprise i got to check on You know, driving in the Autobahn Because I keep a fleet of sports cars i in Zurich And you know, I get the Swiss account I'm going to check it Mount Kilimanjaro Expedition you Might have to cancel that You know, runway's an aspirin A lot shorter the first time You go in there You know, you have the Pacific Rim company We're going to try to take that over And they're like Global enterprise Global <laughs> 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 enterprise <laughs> <laughs> I walked on the moon. <laughs> well, you have the floor, moonwalker. <laughs> you know, you mentioned driving on the Autobahn. That reminded me. Once I was driving in the Sea of Tranquility. <laughs> in my lunar rover. And I, too, was worried about our speed till I remembered, wait, we're the only ones on the moon. <laughs> you guys are great. Thank you very much.
2: Oh, my gosh. That just makes me crack up every time I hear him. And, and it really is a reminder of humility. You know, I was talking with Brad about this the other day, about how is it that the people that have accomplished so much uh, are so humble? and um, And so I think... One of the reasons is Charlie has God in his life. He has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're going to have him back after this break. And then he's going to share his story and the first segment. And then after the half hour break, we're going to take your calls. If you want to call in and ask a question to one of the 12 guys that walked on the moon, you can call 1 844 777 7928. 844 777 7928. Locally, 904-401-1413. 904-401-1413. You can uh, stream SWAT Radio. If you're getting out of your car, uh, go to www.swatradio.com. Catch us at Facebook at SWAT Radio Talk. Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk. We'll be back with General Charlie Duke in just a moment.
1: www.astore.com
2: We're back at uh, SWAT radio and, uh, we are awaiting general Duke. Uh, he, uh, we were having a, a little bit of a technical difficulty, but okay. we're trying to get it going. And so, uh, till we do, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, some of the things he did. Uh, general Duke, uh, was, uh, born in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina back in 1935 in October, which I believe that'd make him 81 years old and, uh. Charlie was in the Air Force, and he's now a, a general, but he has uh, been a part of many organizations. Uh, the Air Force Association, the Society of Experimental Test Pilots. He was a test pilot. He was uh, part of the Naval Academy, uh, elected to go into the Air Force, and uh, part of the Na- National Space Society, and uh, former director of the Young Astronauts Council. And uh, I think we got him now. So I'm excited to have him. Him here. Is he on, yeah, Chris? Yeah, let's check it. Okay. Hold on. I think he's on. Okay. Hey, uh General Duke, can you hear me? Yeah. Great. Clear. All right. That's great. I appreciate that. Christopher, hand me my phone over there. Uh glad you could join us today, sir, to be with us on SWAT Bye. radio.
3: My pleasure, Doug. Thank you.
2: Hey, uh, I, I want to play something for you, uh, real quick, and uh, just to kind of take you back. Hold on, just a second.
3: It had been selected in 1966 uh, Four, to begin my training as Apollo two, One. We have ignition. And
2: liftoff. Can you hear that, Charlie?
6: I had
3: a noise to of lift off the rocket.
2: Yeah, I can't hear the voice. So. Yeah, that's okay. Basically, that was the countdown for your mission, and you, you, when you finally got on the moon, yelling, "All right, we're here!" <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> you, you guys had some Talk
3: about exciting. It really was. We were six hours late landing, and so we were so delighted to land.
2: Yeah, you had a problem, didn't you? Wasn't it oscillating or something when you when you first tried to come in?
3: Well, the other spacecraft had the problem, and we were okay, but the other spacecraft was about ready to have us abort. And uh, so we had to delay for six hours, but they figured out what was wrong, and so then they gave us a go. And once that happened, we were okay. We didn't have any other problems.
2: Wow. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I went back and I was watching that. Uh, actually, NASA has... Uh, video and a documentary of that it's fascinating to go back and see and you know uh, Charlie I I was thinking back I think I've known you about 20 years I mean I haven't seen you every year but I mean I it goes back about 20 years and uh, through High Ground we met out in Colorado I think the first time we ever met and uh, going out there which is a conference for men and I know God has used you uh, many many times in men's lives in fact i remember i uh, you shared uh at the billy graham one of uh, your video shared either billy shared it it was a crusade or something i think uh shared your testimony uh of, of being, uh, that, being an astronaut yeah
3: i wasn't there in person uh but we recorded it and he, it was a crusade he was doing in san antonio years ago well and uh th- then also we were in uh, uh berlin uh no in russia in moscow uh and uh, was sort of uh helped uh, set the stage for his crusade in uh, in moscow uh, uh back in the 1990s time frame and uh, uh that was really exciting we got to meet some of the russian military and sort of laid some of the groundwork for his crusade and so that was really good Get good working with them
2: well um you know i was i was looking at your uh your resume as it was and i, I you know you went through the naval academy uh but i want to go back further than that charlie growing up i think every boy at least in your generation and even uh, my generation and maybe even later uh wanted to be a pilot and dream maybe of even being an astronaut was that something you always had your sights set on
3: uh, not the pilot side, but uh, the what I had my sights set on from about the tenth grade was uh, uh, being in the military. And uh, my dad was a naval officer in World War II, and so those were my heroes, the uh, that greatest generation, as they were called. And uh, so uh, uh, I decided I wanted to follow in his footsteps and go to, and go in the Navy. So I applied for the Naval Academy and was accepted. Uh, but then at the Naval Academy, I fell in love with airplanes, and so I made a decision. I wanted to be a pilot, and back then, you had a choice. You could go into the Air Force and fly, or you could go into the Navy once you graduated from the Naval Academy, so uh, a set of circumstances uh, pushed me to the Air Force, and so when I graduated from the Naval Academy, I was commissioned as a lieutenant in the Air Force, and that started my military flying career, and uh and the adventure that I've always still love of a flight
2: well uh, I I don't want to point out anything but 12 of the uh the uh the astronauts were naval aviators not that I'm a naval a- aviator pointing that out you know, my son's in the air force and we got a little rivalry thing going there charlie but uh I'm okay. I'm I'm glad that uh you you were uh, a model for so many young men because i've heard a lot of guys that know you they know you by reputation and uh you, you've you've always i mean since you had this heart change where god changed your heart that we'll get into in a little bit uh i know god's used you in a great way to impact a lot of people and that's why i wanted to have you on the show today uh the program to talk about that uh but i want to go back to to you know when you were on the moon that that's what almost 40 50 years ago i mean it seems yeah, it's
3: come, it- it comes up uh, this April, come, this coming April, uh, 45 years, Doug.
2: Wow, 45 years. It's hard, it's hard to believe that. And, and <laughs> that year was the last person that anybody was on the moon, right?
3: Yeah, right. The last mission was uh, December 1972. So their 45th anniversary is coming up uh, in, uh, you know, 10 months.
2: Yes, it was December. Gene, Gene Cernan was the last guy to step on to the rover off the moon, correct?
3: Uh, yes, he was, he, uh, he was the 11th to step onto the moon, but the last guy to step off the moon because the command module pilot, I mean, the lunar module pilot is the second out, but the first back in. So, uh, Gene was the last one to leave the surface of the moon.
2: Wow. Well, if you, as you think back on that time, cause I mean, I know, I, I, I know there's certain things in my life that are just etched into my memory and I think about them and sounds evoke memories and certain pictures evoke memories. When you think back on being on the moon, looking at all that you could see from there and that perspective, you were there for quite a while. What 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 sticks in your mind most?
3: Well, there's several things. Uh I guess uh being on the moon, first off the probably one of the most dynamic and exciting uh parts of the mission was the actual landing on the moon uh you had to pick a spot that was level uh cradeless uh no rocks and you didn't have much time to do that and so uh it was really a dynamic uh uh environment and uh john young my commander was flying it and i was basically talking him in so the landing was really memorable and then after that our uh three-day stay on the moon was uh, uh just one wonder after another and uh, I remember uh, uh, driving our car on the second day up to the side of Stone Mountain, uh, the, the big hill that we call Stone Mountain, and we got to the top of that about 300 feet above the uh, landing site and and looked out across the valley there, and it was just incredibly beautiful. The moon, to me, was one of the most beautiful deserts uh, I've ever seen, uh, untouched, unspoiled, gray in color uh and uh uh, a brilliant reflection from the sunlight and then that contrast from the the moon and its horizon up into the blackness of space was uh uh, well it's just indelibly imprinted upon my uh memory
2: well i remember uh watching that documentary looking at the documentary of when you and uh is it commander young right he was he was uh was he a, a, a commander um, he was, uh,
3: yeah, he was our uh, space. I mean, he was our mission commander.
2: Yes. So, so uh,
3: John was the commander, and I was called the lunar module pilot. And uh, Ken Mattingly uh, was uh, stayed in orbit, and he was the command module pilot.
2: Well, I, I remember they were. Uh, as I looked at this thing, they were you and he were running. Y'all had found a huge rock. That y'all were running yeah. to <laughs> and you you thought it was a lot closer than it was since <laughs> y'all kept running and running and running to get there and the guys back on houston were talking about it how how you just kept getting closer and getting smaller as you got near the rock and so perspective was a little different up there on the moon right with with all that desert
3: right uh it's very difficult to judge distances on the moon because there're no familiar objects like down here on earth uh, we have trees telephone poles people cars houses they give you a sense of perspective and a sense of size and distance but up on the moon you're looking at objects you've never seen before so a uh, a large rock far away looks very very similar to a smaller rock close in and so this rock uh, was on the side of this crater and didn't look very big to me and I talked john into let's go see it and we started jogging and we ran and ran and ran and ran the rock kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and turned out uh this rock was as big as a house uh (laughs) yeah i remember uh it was wow look at the size of that rock and uh then we had to hike back it was slightly uphill coming back and so it was a good uh it was a good little uh little jog um yeah, but we didn't make that mistake anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you then you scared yourself. I don't know if it was the same day, but you were jumping around and did something and fell and thought you might have um, punctured your suit or something, right? Or was there something like that?
3: Yeah, it was the same day. Uh, the last day we were on the moon and right before we were to uh, get off the moon, uh, we had planned this Moon Olympics. Uh, and uh, 72 was an Olympic year, so we were going to have the moon Olympics and uh, set the high jump records. And so <laughs> we started bouncing, and when I, I, I jumped, I straightened up, and the, the backpack pulled my center of gravity over, and I went over backwards. And uh, and that was the only moment in the whole 11 days where I was uh, afraid. And, and I said, man, I'm in trouble. And fortunately, I, I responded with some training, and I rolled over. Uh, rolled over on my right side a little bit and broke my fall and bounced onto the moon. And uh, my heart was pounding, but uh, John came and helped me up, and uh, uh, the pressure was good. You could hear the pumps running, and it seemed like all systems were still going, so I began to calm down. But uh, mission control was very upset and they didn't uh, uh they, that that ended the moon olympics. Uh, yeah, they
2: put a squash to that. How huh? they said no more moon uh, yeah, olympics. Yeah, goodbye right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh when as you think back and you look at all the things that have gone on in the world today and all the accomplishments we've had uh but still only 12 guys have ever walked on the moon. Do do you just – can you really believe you had that opportunity? I mean, when you think back to it, is it just sometimes you pinch yourself and go, I, just, I still can't believe I got to do that?
3: Well, I, it's always been a a real experience. It's never been a dream. But I do have these uh, moments where I think, man, how did I get picked? <laughs> and uh, I'm just so thankful I did. And uh, uh, And I – Looking back now, and with my Christian walk, I I know that uh, God has used that moonwalk to open a lot of doors for uh, to witness to His love and power and and mercy and grace, and and so uh, I, I believe that God's hand was on me during that whole time while I wasn't even walking with God and uh, wasn't even serving Him, but He was. You know, he had a plan for my life, and part of that plan was to go to the moon. And so I was uh, competing like everybody else for one of those seats. And uh, fortunately, I got picked. And um, I can't tell you why or how, but I knew uh, I did. And so I wanted to make the best of it. And it was a great adventure, of course.
2: Well, did the the moon trip being up there, I was talking to my wife the other night. We were standing on the beach looking up at the stars and – I, I just looked up at all the stars up there and thought about how brilliant it is and the creation and felt so small. Did, did God use that trip to impact your view of him in any way as you look back? I mean, maybe not at the time because you said, I know I've heard you say before you weren't really walking with him then, but looking back, did that did did you feel like he used that to impact your view of him?
3: Uh I can't say definitely uh, what uh, that he did uh, what uh, I do remember is uh, looking back at the earth and uh, seeing the uh, the beauty of the of the universe and the stars and the orderliness of the universe the uh, you know the laws of physics they work every time orbital mechanics uh the gravity every, it's, everything is is so orderly in the world in at least in the, in the whole of the universe. Uh, and, uh, so I, I, I was impressed by that, but, uh, but not from a standpoint of God's creation. It was six years later, uh, when I, uh, uh, became a believer and gave my heart to Jesus after a, uh, a Bible study in, uh, New Braunfels, Texas, where we live that, uh, uh i began to see uh god is the creator uh and and life is not an accident uh it he, we were made in his image and pr- as i began to read the scriptures uh and uh, and and put put god's word into practice and to see the truth of the scriptures and the peace that i got from that uh then i i, I realized that uh god is the creator now like the psalmist says the heavens declare the glory of god the skies proclaim the works of his hands and i see that now in the in the totality of the universe god spoke it into existence uh through jesus and uh uh it's uh, uh and i believe it is and now i can testify uh that uh the heavens declare the glory of god
2: well and you see it you saw it from a whole different perspective than 99.9% of people that ever inhabit the earth and, uh, right. you know, and, and what God did through bringing you to him was preserve your marriage, didn't he? Because you almost lost Dottie and and your family through, through your wanting to do all the things you wanted to do, correct?
3: Well, uh, yeah, my, uh, that's true, uh, Doug, uh, we were having uh, while my career was a great success, uh, I, when I went to the moon, we'd been married nine years, had two young boys, uh, and, but we were, uh, I was a horrible husband and horrible father, uh, during those days and, uh, without God. Uh, so it was just a lot of tension in our, in our marriage and in our lives. Uh, and Dottie went from basically from during that time and the next three years, uh, till 1975, she went from despair to discouragement to thoughts of suicide and uh, I didn't have, we didn't have hope for our marriage. There was no hope. Uh, and uh, then uh, uh, fortunately, some people came to our church uh, and shared Jesus. They had a personal testimonies and the love and the joy and the peace of God just invaded them and uh, they radiated it. And so after that weekend, uh, uh, Dottie uh, decided that's what she needed. Uh, Jesus come into my life and in October 75, she began to change, be transformed by the power of God and the love of Jesus. And, uh, and so I watched her change, and two and a half years later, a similar situation where I went to a Bible study. Uh, the Lord, uh, I was convicted uh, that Jesus really is who he says he is, and that we have a decision to make. God has made us with a free will, and we get to choose that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God except through Him, and that's a choice. We either believe that or we reject it, and it's up to us. Uh, God has presented us a choice, and everybody has a free will, uh, and you can walk with God or you can walk apart with God, and that's our choice, each of us. And so I made that decision that weekend, and it, I had this incredible peace that came over me, uh, the, the peace of God that passes all understanding. And I had this insatiable desire to read the Bible Mm, and still reading it now 39 years later, uh, and uh, it has changed my life.
2: That's awesome. Well, well, we're here with General Charlie Duke, one of the 12 astronauts that walked on the moon. Uh, we're, we, Charlie, we've got a hard break for uh, uh, news on the half hour. If you can just hold through the break, we're going to have some questions maybe on the other side. Call us at SWAT Radio at 1-844-777-7928, 1-844-777-7928, or if you're local, 904 904- If you're getting out of your car, you can listen on www.swatradio.com. Click the Listen Live link at Facebook at Swat Radio Talk, Twitter at Swat Radio Talk.
1: WTRJ, Orange Park, Jacksonville. WAYL, St. Augustine. WATY, Folkestone, Georgia. Online at ilovethetruth.com.
0: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. A weakened tropical storm, Elsa, has dumped rain across Florida's northern Gulf Coast but has spared the state from significant damage. Elsa wobbled through the Gulf of Mexico and moved ashore as a tropical storm. The storm made landfall in lightly populated Taylor County with a maximum sustained wind clocking at 65 miles per hour. Elsa expected to bring 2 to 4 inches of rain to Georgia by Friday. The storm's effects expected to be felt as far north as New England. President Biden was in Illinois today to make a pitch for his priorities that aren't included in the bipartisan infrastructure agreement. The president's still on board with the $1 trillion bipartisan deal, but he's also working with Democrats in Congress to pass a broader package that covers education, child care, and climate. On Wall Street, the Dow ahead 95 points, and the NASDAQ is up 7. This is SRN News. Let's be...
3: For your Wednesday afternoon,
2: because of ELSA, there's a tornado watch and a flood watch in effect. Cloudy and windy this afternoon, high 81. Tonight, more rain, possible thunderstorms, low 73. Thursday, mostly cloudy with a chance of storms, high 89. Thursday night, mostly cloudy, low 73. And Friday, partly sunny with a chance of more showers, high 89.
6: Shalom. My name is Messianic Rabbi Kurt Schneider. I'm a shaliach or sent one of Messiah Jesus. I want to share with you how the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament and the New Testament that we call in Hebrew, the Brit Shah fit together like a hand and a glove to give you a brighter hope for today and confidence in your future for tomorrow.
5: Join Rabbi Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. on Discovering the Jewish Jesus right here on WTRJ
2: hey this is doug mccary of swat radio i'm uh his light ministries and i'm back here with uh, general charlie duke and uh charlie again thank you for joining us giving us some time today i've enjoyed just uh connecting and i'm going to be with you next week out at high ground uh which is awesome in beaver creek colorado right
3: uh, looking forward to it uh doug and uh you're on the program to give us a word from the lord looking forward to it
2: yes sir uh you know the best thing about going out there O, is just getting to spend time with people like yourself and Uh, and some of the other guys and be able to just spend time again talking about stuff because you know you you I remember when you shared you just shared about your experience with Dottie and you know I had a a similar experience in my own life you know you get flying and I don't know what it is about pilots but you know you have to have a a little bit of a, a, a cockiness or pride about you to do that you know you get out there and you do that stuff And unfortunately, it doesn't bode very well for our poor wives, (laughs) you know, when you bring that home. uh,
3: You're right. Uh, Yeah, it's it's easy to get uh, prideful when uh, you're able to accomplish some of the things that we did. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, not everybody got that opportunity to go to the moon. And uh, you can sort of say, man, look what I did. But... uh, uh God has a way of keeping us humble, and uh, he did that to me, a big hero astronaut. And every time I started thinking about Jesus in the early days, I'd cry. Mm. And uh, it was, uh, Lord, why do you let me cry? I asked him one day, and he says, it's hard to be proud when you're crying, isn't it?
2: <laughs> oh, that's true. Well, hey, Charlie, yeah. uh, we, got, we got a caller. Um, Reuben, are you on the line?
6: Uh, yes, sir, I'm here.
2: Okay, we got Ruben and uh Ruben, you're calling from where?
6: Uh well I'm driving on the highway right now from Savannah, Georgia. All
2: right. So Ruben from Savannah and what you you have a question or comment for General Duke?
6: Uh yes, yeah, a question to the general. Uh just, just wanted to see if you could share with us, uh, as you were going through this process, uh, how did you reconcile being a man of science uh with faith? How, how did that come about and uh you, you, you can share with us just, just how those two don't necessarily have to go against each other charlie
2: i don't i don't know if you can hear uh sometimes since you're joining us by phone but what ruben's question is is he wanted to know how you reconciled faith and science being a man who was an explorer astronaut uh an mit grad all those things a test pilot and how do you reconcile that with your faith thank you ruben well
3: for uh it's uh uh easy for me uh, when I all my training uh, uh, scientifically at least geologically and uh, was from an evolutionary standpoint you know ancient ages and uh, uh, and the evolution of uh, uh, Darwinian evolution and uh, and uh, and then I, I started reading the Bible, and I saw that God said he was the creator, and that he made man in his image, and he made the animals, and he, so there was no evolution. And, and so I, I decided that, that I would believe God's account, and it would be, I'd believe in creation. It was a belief. But I can't prove that scientifically, nor can the evolutionists prove evolution, so it's
6: it's it,
3: it, it, creation is just as scientific as evolution, and evolution is just as religious as is creation, because you can't prove either one. And from a scientific viewpoint, there is no scientific experiment that you can repeatably do that will show uh fish coming into a uh, uh, an ape or whatever, <laughs> uh, and you and so I can't prove that it was we were created scientifically, but I believe it. But the evolutionists can't prove that they that it was an evolutionist uh, procedure either. So we both accept it on faith, and and I believe that God is the author of of the immutable laws of the universe. As I said earlier, gravity works every time. The laws (laughs) of physics work. The laws of thermodynamics. The laws of orbital mechanics. uh, They're all orderly. And you look at the orderliness of the universe, and it's got to be a creator. How did this, if evolution is true, where did the knowledge come from? when a, a, a single cell whatever decided, well, I need to reproduce. How did it know that? And then it says, you know, if it, it grew to five cells, six cells, well, I need a hand or I need a foot. Where did that knowledge come from? It, it's, it's impossible for it to have happened. So when when you look at real science, there are a lot of christian scientists that have contributed much uh, important knowledge to the base of science and the goodness of humankind uh, the the world is filled with christian science uh, scientists who were uh, uh, who gave us uh uh um, like louis pasteur you know uh, the pasteurization and uh, and all of these vaccines and stuff that we have for medicine and understanding electricity and all of the you know microwaves everything like that, many Christian scientists were involved in those procedures, so I think I have no trouble reconciling science and my faith. in fact, uh, my faith uh, is uh, is 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 built on the immutable Consistency, unchanging uh, uh, nature of God, which I think is is really a scientific statement.
2: Well, that you know that here here's the thing, uh, Charlie. As I was thinking about it, you know, I was an FBI agent, and you know, to put people on the stand, and basically. I would take them down a line or the attorney would take them down a line. They could only testify what they saw, what they experienced and and things were decided based on evidence and the evidence for the Bible being true. You know, nothing has ever been disproven historically or archeologically in the Bible. It's always been affirmed. And for 2000 years, they've been trying to stamp it out. And so, uh, I get how no it's not really a conflict of science the only conflict is between the the basically the the what I think is the very flawed belief in evolution versus the true belief in creation uh, so but hey we got another caller uh is it Brian uh, Chris Brian you still on the phone
6: I sure am Doug
2: okay so we got Brian. And, Brian, it looks like your question is something that I I asked.
6: It's very close to that. Thank you, uh, General Duke, for your testimony so far. It's very interesting. So uh, half my question I think you've already asked. So I was going to follow up, though, with lunar dust. And, And I'd heard a while back a story, I read it, that the scientist that was designing the feet of the lunar module assumed that the Earth and the moon were 4 billion years old, And therefore, the lunar dust had to be measured in feet deep. Instead, when the first lunar module landed, it was revealed it was just a mere inches deep. And this engineer, scientist at the time that was an agnostic, uh, found this to be a pivotal event, profound impact on him. And I heard that he then became more God-aware. Do you know anything about that story, or have you heard it before?
2: Okay, uh, General, uh, I, thanks, uh, Brian, for the call. General, I don't know if you heard the question, but but the question related to lunar dust. And, and there was a, a scientist who was developing the, the module to land on the moon, and when they looked at it, they were basing it on feet deep versus inches deep based on being millions of years old. And he said when they got there, y'all figured out it was only inches deep, and he ended up becoming... A Christian, uh, uh, you know, converting from being an atheist, and the question was: Have you heard anything about that story? Was there truth to it? Do you know anything about that?
3: Uh, that was a, one of the uh, yes, uh, one of the scientists uh, that was uh, uh, arguing for uh, hundreds of feet deep moon dust uh, over the billions of years of lunar existence. Uh, was arguing that we need, we would, uh, sink out of sight in all this moon dust, feet of moon dust. And so what they did was decided, well, maybe he's right. So they sent an unmanned spacecraft called a surveyor, uh, to the uh, lunar surface, uh, and it landed. And when it landed, it was, they turned on the TV and it was right up on top of the moon, the dust, there was no, it didn't sink in at all. Uh, so, uh, uh it, it proved that, uh, the, the dust was not hundreds of feet deep. However, uh, the dust was in some places where we were 10 feet deep. Wow. I drilled a hole, uh, a core into the lunar surface and, and, and pulled it back out. And when it got, we got it back to Houston and we looked at it, it was still dust and, and fragments of rock all the way down. Uh, some was finer than others, but it was still unconsolidated. But the lunar dust, what happens, it's actually pulverized rock. Uh, Uh, and, uh, due to the meteor impacts, it pulverized the moon and this stuff, comes, uh, but has really good bearing strength. So you, you don't sink in more than just a couple of inches. Wow. Uh, even though the dust might be three, four feet deep. Uh, but it varies one place. It was like 10 feet deep. The other, one of the other places, it was as hard as this floor in my house. (laughs) So hardly any dust, uh, as, as far as the, I knew this guy, and whether uh this guy ever came to become a believer or not i don't know uh that part of the story but uh, of course we were convinced that it wasn't uh, hundreds of feet deep so their theory of uh, dust influx on the moon uh, over billions of years was wrong Mm. Uh, so they had to change their uh, change their theory
2: well well that's that was a great question well, uh, James, uh, we have James on in Colorado, James, uh, you got a question for general Duke.
6: I do. Thank you, Doug. General Duke, um, my, uh, my older brother passed away last year as, uh, one of the NASA, um, chairman of the uh, fracture mechanics board. And he gave me a lot of insight without spilling any secrets into the number of believers that were at NASA and, uh and the fact that uh, it's a strong community down there.
3: Um, it made me ponder with, with what you've done of the 11 other men
6: that stepped on the moon. Do you know or do you have any insight as to how that experience may have affected or impacted uh, their spiritual journeys, if they even had one, and whether any of them came to uh, a knowledge of uh, the Creator through that?
2: Um general did you hear that thanks james for that question general did you hear that not a bit okay all right uh basically james in colorado his brother uh was a chairman of the fracture mechanics board at nasa and uh had passed away last year um but through many conversations he heard that many um Many of the people at NASA, within NASA, are believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And he had a question about the guys who actually went to the moon, Uh, the people that you know wondering. It was kind of along the lines of the question I asked you earlier. Did that moonwalk, did going up there, impact any of those guys, to your knowledge, for Jesus?
3: Uh, A number number of us uh, moonwalkers were were believers. Uh Jim Irwin on Apollo fifteen was a believer before he went. Mm-hmm. Uh he was open about his faith. Uh and the moon flight so transformed him that when he got back, uh he became he formed an evangelical association called Hot flight, mm-hmm. And until he died, uh he was a, a, an evangelist that traveled the world uh sharing uh his love for Jesus and uh, uh Neil Armstrong was a believer and uh, uh, uh Buzz Aldrin had took communion on Apollo eleven the first landing he had communion other 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 people uh, uh talked about you got to believe there's a god uh, uh, after you see what we saw and did what we did. Hmm can't say that, uh, that that I can't say that the uh, the faith of those uh, were really in of uh, who had faith were really in, impacted by the moonlight mostly it's the beauty of uh, of the of what you see of looking back at the earth and uh, the beauty of the moon and uh, at night at nighttime looking at the, the the, the, the glory of the stars and the planets, and uh, y- y- you just see that part, and you just like Gene Cernan said before he died many times. He says, "After seeing what I see, you got to believe there's a God." Wow,
2: that's well. We're gonna take a quick break. Uh, the last one, uh, call in at eight four four seven 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 nine two eight. Locally nine zero four four zero one one four one three. We're here with General Charlie Duke, www.swatradio.com. Facebook at SWAT Radio Talk.
4: If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls.
1: SWAT Radio is brought to you on the truth by Evolve Bank and Trust. Evolve offers investment services, trust and mortgage services, physician lending and equipment finance through its affiliates a network of bankers, trust officers and mortgage advisors. They offer a wide array of loan products and services and are actively involved in the growth of the communities they serve. Evolve is a nationwide lender providing residential mortgage loans, including conventional, FHA, VA, home equity lines of credit, reverse mortgages and USDA loans more information is available by calling michael koopman with evolve bank and trust at 727-415-2214 their web address is www.clearwater.evolve.mortgage equal housing lender all loans subject to credit approval
2: Hey, this is uh, Doug McCary. His Light Ministry is back at uh, SWAT Radio. Uh, got uh, General Charlie Duke, a uh, longtime friend and uh, fellow pilot. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to the moon, Charlie. I would have loved to have done that. It would have been a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, Doug. Yeah, I. You know what? I when I was watching that documentary, I probably would have did what you did up there because you. I remember you just shouted when you landed, like "Wow, this is it!" That's kind of when I took off my fur cat. My first cat shot off of a ship. I did that. I just kind of yelled because it was so, I didn't realize I keyed the mic when I did it. So everybody heard me when I took off the ship, but, uh, it was just, wow. I've never experienced that. I, and listening to you up on the moon, uh, just the excitement. I mean, you made it, it was up there. It's a culmination. I mean, you work hard. You put, I mean, you were, were you a backup before you went up there or after you went up there?
3: Uh, before, uh, the, uh, The way it was in Apollo, uh, you got assigned a backup crew, uh, and uh, then uh, if all went well and you didn't make any mistakes, uh, then three flights later you would fly. So I was backup crew for Apollo 13, uh, and then so I flew on 16. uh, And then the last mission was Apollo 17, and nobody really wanted to do the backup crew for that because it sort of dead end, but I said, I'll do it <laughs> uh, because you never know. I mean, uh, the guy was backing up, might've broke his leg uh, two months before the flight. You get another chance. So uh, uh, I, uh, John Young and I, and uh, Stu Russo volunteered for that. Uh, so I was back up twice uh, and, um, and then flew once.
2: Well, uh, well, Brad Sykes, who's the co-host, is on uh, is on the phone, and uh, he's out watching his daughter swim at a swim meet, but uh, down out of town today. But he wanted to call in. Brad, how are you doing?
6: I'm good, brother. I, listen, I don't know if Charlie can hear me, but what a what an honor to have him on. I I couldn't resist uh, giving you a call, Doug.
2: Well, it's kind of funny doing it without you, man. I miss you. You know.
6: Well, I I, I miss you too. And, uh, you know, no great surprise that General Duke quoted from Psalm uh, 19, which is absolutely one of my favorites, where he says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, Day today pours out speech I'm just trying to imagine what it must have been like to be on the moon and that's I had to call I mean how how often do you get to talk to one of the 12 men who's actually uh, left planet earth and landed on another planet Hmm.
2: well uh general that's Brad I don't like I said we sometimes when we do phone interviews people have a hard time hearing but he was he was quoting psalm 19 and the fact that you quoted it and saying how what it an honor was to have you here. He's normally on the show with me and um uh, yeah and, and, and so he yeah. he's not here today. Could you hear him at all? Yeah, I
3: did. Uh, uh you're right. Uh, it uh uh the, that psalm is is more and more vivid to me and real to me the the as I look back becomes I look back on the 45 years ago almost that uh I had Stepped onto the moon. You know, when you're on the moon, it's always daylight. And so you look up into the sky and it's just this jet black since the sun's shining. You don't see any stars uh, from the surface of the moon. But right over our head was the earth and we could see the, the jewel of that jewel of the earth suspended in the blackness of space. And just everywhere else was just this vivid blackness uh, that hmm. you would see. And, uh, uh, it was a uh, very, very moving. Um, uh, and, uh, then of course, when we got on the dark side, uh, of the moon and the earth, the stars just, just, uh, I me mean, just exploded in brilliance and, uh, uh, wow. it was in all, all, you know, That's wow. m- uh,
6: general Duke, I do have a question. Um, you know, in light of the fact that, that you're, you're one of 12 men to accomplish something like this, you know, we look at a, a society in our world today, we we raise up people who have accomplished great things, and, and rightfully so. Uh, however, anybody that's accomplished anything like this, I feel like so much of your identity has got to be wrapped up into this. How do you as a believer separate this idea that, you know, I think for men, it's a deep struggle for us, whether we're successful in business or sports or you're an astronaut. You know, is we love to kind of sink our teeth or drop our anchor in the accomplishments we've had and how difficult that is as followers of Christ. Uh, you're right,
3: Uh it, it it was, uh, when I came to the Lord, it was uh, a lot of pride, uh, but also uh, there was a, a other side of our accomplishment. You realize that you didn't do it on your own. There was a mm-hmm. whole team, 400,000 people who were working on the Apollo program to make it all happen. And we were the visible part of it, of that team. We were sort of the tip of the iceberg uh, the point of the spear, uh, and, and we got the the attention, but we gave credit to everybody that worked on it to make it possible. You could not lift off without everybody doing their job. And, uh, so that's a humbling experience to know that you represent all these people and, uh, Hmm. you've got to give them credit. And I think most of us, uh, uh, that did it had that feeling uh you know we thank you uh for all the hard work you did and we thank american for supporting us and letting us uh, accomplish this uh incredible adventure and then when the lord came into my life uh he as i said earlier uh, uh he was able to humble uh us even more me even more because uh uh I don't, I don't think God likes a bit of pride in us and, uh, Amen to that. It's not what, I, and, uh, so he, he just, uh, uh, just humbled me in many ways, uh, in the early days and, uh, still does when I get a, a hint of pride, uh, uh, comes in, I, I give him all the glory for Amen. everything that I've accomplished well, and, uh, and, uh, the, the mind he's given me, the body's given me and the, and uh, uh, his spirit within me uh, gives me the ability to serve him, and it's a humbling thought that l- the Lord uses us uh, to advance the kingdom. Gen- and, uh, hey, amen. General, General, amen. we got
2: one minute left, and I got to ask yeah. you this because I had friends that said this fake news people. Two things, real quick. People say that the moonwalks were fake, and people say that buzz aldrin or neil armstrong was told by some alien to get off the moon can you authoritatively answer those two issues one way real quick yeah. uh the the
3: first uh, the second one uh buzz and neil were not spoken to by an alien they never even mentioned it uh and uh, they lifted off because that was the time frame in the mission to lift off the other uh the, we were in a race with the Russians. Yeah. Uh, they tracked us all the way to the moon. Uh, they knew we were on the moon. They never, uh, they never said it was a big fake. Uh, uh, secondly, uh, the the things that the people use about no stars in the sky all simply can be uh, explained away. Uh, if we faked it, why did we fake it nine times? We went to the <laughs> moon correct. nine times, six landings. Uh, And finally, uh, every landing, uh, there's a satellite at the moon called the LRO,
2: and you can Google it. uh, LRO. General, we got to go. LRO. Thank thank you so much. uh, We're running out of time, but thank you for your time. God bless you and Dottie. I'll see you next week. SWAT Radio. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. You can hear this back on the website, www.swatradio.com, Facebook at SWAT Radio Talk, Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk.
4: If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio...
1: WTRJ, Orange Park, Jacksonville. W-A-Y-L, St. Augustine. W-A-T-Y, Folkestone, Georgia. Online at ilovethetruth.com.